and welcome back to the Greg Horrenda Show, where today we are honored and privileged to have the former UCLA star quarterback in the 1984 Rose Bowl, the head football coach there. He's now with CBS, CBS Sports Network, and Sirius Radio. Rick Neuheisel, welcome to the Greg Horrenda Show. Greg, how are you, my friend? Oh, man, I'm great. Does that give you goosebumps when you hear that music or no? Look, tell me the truth. Well, there are days when it gives me goosebumps <laughs> and there are days when it's still a little bit of a nightmare. You know, you, uh, you have this dream job. You, you want to go back to your alma mater and you want to do great things. And when it ends with a pink slip, it's not exactly how you had it figured out. Yeah, you know what? Let's talk about the pink slip. I don't like talking about pink slips. When, when uh, I'm an active coach, I don't want to talk about coaches <laughs> getting fired, but uh, the show is about the genesis uh, of our guests. And I, w- when I started doing my research, I look at you, man, and you're like a good looking blonde. You have a beautiful blonde wife, UCLA, Colorado. You're from Wisconsin. I never knew that. Yeah, my mom and dad, uh, Dick and Jane. I was this close <laughs> to being named Spot, you know? Uh, <laughs> They're both uh, only kids from small towns in, uh, oh, I in love it. upper Wisconsin. They both uh, went to kindergarten together, oh. then later started dating in college, both at the University of Wisconsin, and uh, I ended up happening. So uh, here I am, uh, you know, a cheesehead at heart, but uh, <laughs> grew up in the West Coast. I, Arizona, and then off to UCLA. So I've been on that side of the country most of my life. How did the – now, I remember I was – and I've got some football, college football friends that are fanatics, and I remember back in that time, the, Kenny, the Wisconsin Badgers were bad. Now, is that the reason why you left Wisconsin, and did they ever recruit you? Tell me about your recruiting process. Well, I didn't get very heavily recruited, Greg. I was a walk-on. Wow. I uh, ended up walking on to uh, UCLA. You know, I, as I like to say, I was uh, not very tall, but I was slow. So I had all that going for me. And, and <laughs> you know, UCLA was came and played in the old Fiesta Bowl against Arkansas back in 1978. Yep. And one of my dad's friends took a old canister of 8-millimeter film of me playing in high school out to the UCLA coaches uh, wow. and, and said, hey, look, this kid can play. They said, well, we might have room for him as a walk-on, and, and basically that's how it ended up. I, I walked over uh, to uh, Westwood, California, and fell in love with the campus, and oh. I was blue and gold, man. Now tell me this. When you walk on at UCLA, like how many guys are in front of you, Rick? Like there's got to be, I would say, one, two, three, four, like five quarterbacks in front of you when you, when you try to walk on? There were. I, it, this is how important I was when I got there. They gave me number 24. <laughs> I, I knew then they didn't have high hopes for me in the quarterback position, especially the guy we're in twenty-four with right. Freeman McNeil. Oh, that, and Freeman oh, ended up being a, a you know first rounder for the Jets. The good news is Freeman and I didn't get uh, confused for one another very often, so that that, that wasn't a problem. But uh, no, kind of kept moving. My a kid quit the team, went home to Texas. Right. Number two. And so I got number 20, and I knew I was moving in the right direction. But Tom Ramsey, Jay Schreer, oh, yeah. those guys were both ahead of me. Rick Bayshore was ahead of me. Uh, there were there were a ton of good players, but uh, it's like that, you know, steady wins the race. Just kind of hang in there and wait for your opportunity. And then we can't go over your entire illustrious career, Rick, but take me to arguably – 
And I've got a dear friend of mine, my kindergarten roommate and classmate, Dave Vigiano, is like a UCLA alum. And he went to high school in Jersey City, and he was the one person in my life that, like, dared. He went to Stonehill and then transferred to UCLA. And he's like, you have to talk to him about the Illinois Rose Bowl game. And, you, and <laughs> I mean, that game was just – and I watched it on YouTube, not all of it, but – that, I mean, you guys dismantled Jack Trudeau and the Illinois, uh, the, the fighting on Illini. Tell me about that game. Bring me back to that moment, man. Well, it was it was a great win. Obviously, getting the chance to play on uh, uh, in the granddaddy of them all is a yes. thrill for anybody who loves college football, and, and it, that was certainly that for us. There were two things I'm going to tell you that very few people know. Number one, yep. we were ticked off as a football team. Now, we ended up the season 6-4-1, and one, so... Illinois was a little upset they had to play us because they were trying to win a national championship. Sure, they were the first Big Ten team to go nine and zero in conference play and wanted a chance to play a bigger, you know, uh, opponent so they could boost their stock. I think gotcha. they came in as the number three team in the country. Yep. Uh, but what really ticked us off is that one of their big alums, a guy by the name of Hugh Hefner. Have you ever heard of him? Uh, a little bit. The Playboy Hugh, Mansion. Hugh Hefner invited them to the Playboy Mansion. Oh. Now, we we were a mile from the Playboy Mansion at UCLA, and, and none of us had ever been invited to the Playboy uh, you Mansion. You talk about motivation. Yeah, we were motivated by that. <laughs> and then the second thing that I'll tell you yep. is that I woke up the morning of the game with food poisoning. Wow. There were about eight of us that had uh, eaten something that we shouldn't have the night before. Right. And I, I threw up five or six times before the game. Really? And my dad, I think uh, Terry Donahue wouldn't let me go to the game in the bus for fear that I was going to get <laughs> sick again. So I'm riding in a coach's car, my head out the window, feeling the wind in my face because it made me feel a little better. Yeah, sure. And my dad, who's there waiting to see the buses come in, sees me before the game. And instead of putting that arm around my shoulder and saying, you'll be okay, son, he says, pinch yourself in the ass and get going. He didn't I, want to see any of this sick stuff. I love it. And uh, Old lo school. and behold, a little uh, a Rose Bowl adrenaline took over, and it was a, it was a good day. We had, uh, we had quite a day that day for the Bruins. That's a tremendous story. So I, I, I just remember on a relative scale, Kenny, I remember being sick. We, I was a Division II player, Rick, and we played New Haven, and I had 102. I could barely walk. And I got to the floor, and the same thing happened. I think I, I don't know what inside athletes or, or, or competitors, I think it kind of slows you down and, and you see things more clearly. It might have helped you, Rick, more than hurt you, you know, looking back on it. Well, four touchdown passes later, I, 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 I said, I'll get sick every game if that helps, yeah. <laughs> now, now tell me this. Now you're a quarterback at UCLA. As a quarterback there, are you at some point thinking, okay, man, I can do this. At the highest level, what what were your pro aspirations, and how did that you know kind of conclude? And, and give me your the realization of uh, your professional career. Well, I was lucky because the USFL was going on at the time. Yes, uh, and so I got drafted in the second round of the USFL draft in '84 by the San Antonio Gunslingers. Gunslingers. So I say lucky. I was lucky because I met a bunch of good guys. I was a little unlucky because the, the owner of the USFL team in San Antonio didn't think paying the players was, you know, important. Uh, uh, he thought it was optional. <laughs> so, so uh, but we had a blast in San Antonio. I got to play two seasons there, and then I yeah. had uh, one season in the NFL with both the Chargers and right. the uh, 
Tampa Bay Bucks, and I called it a career. But it was I had I had I have no regrets. I had a great run. When do you realize? And as a quarterback, you know, if I hear the word progression one more time, and I hear like the quarterbacks of today have a lot of pressure on them from a lot of different angles, and obviously at UCLA there's a great one, at USC there's a great one, but being a quarterback obviously has to help you become a head college coach in so many ways. Tell me about your transition from being a, a player now to, to being a head coach. Well, I wasn't a good enough athlete to be a quarterback without knowing everything there was to know about not only what was going on in the offense, right? I had to know what was going on on defense. Gotcha. And because I, I had a coach that was really into teaching all that stuff rather than just, hey, go one to two to three, Yes. he wanted me to know everything there was to know from clock offense to – I, I became fascinated with the math of football. You know, football looks like just bull elk on bull elk, but right. truly it's, it's a very intricate strategic game, and I got way into that. And, and, all, and also looking at all, like a poker player looks around the, ta- uh, right. around the table for tells, yep. a quarterback can look at a defense and get all kinds of tells and then know right. based on what he's called or what he can audible to how to attack that defense. And that became a lot of fun for me. Again, I wasn't good enough as an athlete. I couldn't run out of my shadow. Right. But I could stand in there and put it where I wanted to put it. Sure. And if I knew what they were giving me, I could make some good things happen. So I became very intrigued to that in the next level as a coach. And it was right. amazing to me, Greg, how much more. And I know you have the same feeling. Right. You know, we, we grew up winning and losing, right? And yes. we hated losing and we loved winning. But mm-hmm. as a coach, everything's exponential. Yes, winning is even that much better, and losing <laughs> is that much worse. Amen, brother. And it is. Amen. It is. Uh, it's been a, you know, an addiction of mine for some time. Was that Terry Donahue, the the coach that you referred to, or who was that coach that taught you? Who's your, Homer who was your mentor? Oh, Homer, that was Homer Smith. That was Homer from Smith, Army my quarterback is, coach. From, was he, he was maybe, and and we all have teachers that we remember, whether oh, it's yeah. English class or biology, and and I've had some great teachers, but but sure. Homer was without question the finest teacher I ever had, and it, it just happened to be the class of football. Was he at Army before he was? He was. Yeah. The head coach at Army. Yeah. He was at Davidson College. Yes. He had coached at Air Force. Everything was military-based, you know. Uh, but in terms of attention to detail right. and getting the most out of whomever he was coaching, there, he had no parallel. Hey, Rick, you're an attorney. I mean, how, how did you – when – possibly do you find the time like did you have to go to another country to become an attorney or are you are you in a united states attorney how'd you do well, that as fate would have it you know i grew up my dad was an attorney yeah. and that was what i was always going to do i never thought i'd get a chance to play pro football so when the usfl went from the spring league to try to take on the nfl and then had the lawsuit that you all recall right uh there was a year off and so I decided I'm going to go to my first year of law school that year. Good for and then you. all of a sudden the league died. So now I went to my second year of law school. And then I had an opportunity to go and catch on with the San Diego Chargers. And I just made a deal with USC Law School there in Los Angeles that I'd come back and do it uh, in the winter semester. And so I finished my last year over the course of the next two years and then passed the bar in, in Arizona. And you, uh, but I never practiced. I was too okay. busy trying to teach quarterbacks how to throw it to the right color jersey. That's unbelievable. So this is a multi-talented human being, Kenny. Impressive. Kenny, take us back to the night after we won the NEC championship. And here, 
Coach, and you know it's all relative. You coached high school. You played for the Gunslingers. You played for the Bruins. You coached the Buffaloes. Kenny, take us back to to a gentleman that the first and only song ever written about me, and it's 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 not the longest, but I think most of our fans remember it. Kenny, take us back to Coach Newheisel um, playing some music for good old Coach Arenda. He's horrendous, horrenda, he ain't no pretender, he's as old school as bell-bottom pants. The Knights play with defiance, not afraid of the Giants. Fairly Dickinson is going to dance with our man Greg Horrenda. Way to go, buddy. Hey, Coach, I'll tell you one thing. Out of all the things that happened, and you know when you win a big game, there's a, a lot comes at you. And for me, uh, that was my 32nd year of coaching college basketball. When when I heard that song and people around the country hit me up about it, I, I it's the thing I remember almost as as much as anything. When did you actually think about writing the song, write it, and then you had me on your show and played it? Give me the genesis of that little jingle. Well, you guys had uh, qualified for the deal, yes, and uh, you, you know you were you became a big phenomenon around the country, and and, and Chris. <laughs> Childers and I, right. you know, knew you were coming on the show. Gotcha. And as as I uh, want to do every now and then, I I just have uh, this little guitar sitting by me when I'm doing my radio gig. Yes. And so I said, I'm going to put a song for this guy because <laughs> Fairly Dickinson going to the dance was too big a news. It and, was huge. And, uh, when you when you sit there in horrenda, it just begs to somebody to say he's no pretender. So yeah. it kind of writes itself, right? Right, right. No, exactly. Uh, but but uh, I, I just thought, you know, hey, how cool is it when the little guy gets a chance to be in the show? Right. And and it was easy to do, and it was fun to do because you've got such a great personality. Oh man, but that 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 to me, I still I I just love it. And they played it all over campus that week. And then I'm doing more research, and I knew you were great with the guitar, but then I'm following the Dan Patrick. You know, I loved a bunch <laughs> of them, but born in the SEC. Can we pull that up, Kenny? Kenny's a magician. Kenny's got game. <laughs> Don't make them think about it logically. They were born in the SEC. Yeah. With apologies to the boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, in Jersey, exactly. But let, let me ask you this, man: the genesis of your guitar playing. Who taught you that, man? You learned that in in California or in? Uh, no, Wisconsin? my my mom. My mom. You know, as I, I told you, Dick and Jane were were old schoolers and. One of their things was that all their kids had to learn a musical That's instrument, great. Right? I love your parents, so, uh, man. I started with the piano, but the problem with the piano, Greg, is that it looked towards the, my backyard. <laughs> and my backyard look was right on a, a little nine-hole golf course back in Arizona, and oh. all my buddies behind the green would be playing, whether it was football, <laughs> basketball, baseball, right? Right. You and don't sitting, look it. So the piano, I'm going, I can't play this. i got to be out there playing with those guys. Sure. So I begged my mom, could I do something else? She said, well, you can take guitar lessons, uh. and uh, that guy will come at night. So I did the guitar lessons at night, learned a little guitar, three chords. I, I think I learned Hey Jude, right, from the Beatles? Oh, yeah, great And song. then I went to college, and one of my roommates in college had a guitar, and I saw what that, that the kind of spell he wove oh. over this girl one oh. night, and I said, okay, <laughs> i got to learn more of that. And 
So I, I, I put a little uh, more time into it, and I've enjoyed the guitar ever since. You know, just talking to you, Coach, I mean, your life, I mean, I don't think – I think everybody listening is like, I wish I was Rick Neuheisel, man. You had the greatest parents. You went to maybe the sexiest university on the planet, uh, played for a great coach. You had, uh, you know, Homer Smith. You you made money playing, and you and you coached at a high major, and, and now you're pontificating about football, and, and you're playing the guitar. I mean, who's got it better? And you were too handicapped. Well, who's got I, it better I, than you? I have a uh, – I've been very fortunate. You know, I've had some great days uh, coaching in a Rose Bowl, playing in a Rose Bowl. Yes. Those are all awesome. Uh, you know, but as is always the case, we also have that other side of the pendulum. But that's no. the balance in life, right? Yes. And, and I think that's why I'm so attracted to golf because it's about staying close to par. And that's you know, that's you, right. I've got a great wife. I've got three great kids. i got no worries. you got uh, no I've worries. Got my health, so – uh, I, things are good, and I get to talk about college football, whether it be on television or radio, and tell people why it's so good. And, yes. Uh, so I'm very, very fortunate. Plus, I get to be on the Greg Horenda show. Hey, man, not that? many people get to this elite stratosphere. <laughs> talking about it's stratosphere, you, Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, you're the GM of the Jets. Give me the pick, man. Well, the good news is you're not going to go wrong with either one, but I'm going to take Darnold. Darnold to me take a USC has guy. that that special sauce. Yep. You know special he, he you know you saw it the other night when when you know up against it no timeouts they get the ball back with forty five seconds right down a field goal and he goes right down the field and there was a play Greg where he was getting trapped in the pocket and he basically jumped and threw a ball about twenty yards down the field with perfect touch and yes. and kept the drive going the guy has it. Yes. He also has amnesia. You know, he makes some dumb plays like every kid will, but he comes back and forgets them and, and, and goes on about his business. I think he's really, really special. I think we're going to see him play for a long time. What's your that, – that makes total sense to me. Josh Rosen, to me, has – the first thing I see when I see Rosen is length and height and a, just a great arm, and he places the ball well. Give me your – critique of Rose, and, uh, and you said that you can't go wrong either way. Give me, give me Rosen's uh, critique. If, if we didn't know anything about their past and you and I just walked out there and watched them throw, right. you would take, Rosen, you would take exactly. Rosen 100 times in a row over Darnold. Right. But, but, but Rosen doesn't have the, the experiences no. of, of the comeback. Even though we saw a marvelous comeback against A&M, he just doesn't have that same thing, and there's certainly not enough around him yeah. to keep him, uh, you know, from playing as he called it hero ball, yes. which which ends up costing him against Memphis, where he ended oh, up throwing a pick trying to make a pick, play that really wasn't there. I watched that game uh, as I told you, my dear friend from kindergarten, David Giano, took his son Sammy. They flew to Memphis to to go to the game, and that was the critical play, Kenny. I don't, you probably didn't see it. But Rosen was trying to make something out of nothing and made a pick six, and and those guys flew home from Memphis the next day, you know, mega depressed. And, and it looks like, like I guess here's my question to you: Why, if they're recruiting the same players, why does UCLA and USC seem to have a a vast disparity in talent on the field? Like it looks like the Trojans are just loaded deep and the and the Bruins are just have spot talented guys. 
Well, you know, there's a couple of things, and I don't know what the numbers are today, but I do know what the numbers were when I was there, and I don't want this to sound like an excuse because, right. Greg, you and I, you and I both know as the head coach that yeah. we got enough to win. We got to find a way. We got to, you know, sharpen our pencils and figure it out. Right. But the amount of money spent on USC's program right. as compared to the amount of money spent on UCLA's program at the time while I was there was about five to two. Wow. Okay. And I will tell you, just when you look at the players and you talk nutrition. Now you and I both know how important nutrition oh, it's is. Huge. The team, the team nutritionist from UCLA was basically hired away because we were paying, paying her a part-time salary. She was hired away by USC wow. and given an, un, an unlimited budget to feed the USC players. Really? And wow. Yeah, absolutely 100% so, fat. Uh, that's a story. And, and yep. when you start to look at what we were feeding our kids, it, let's say it's $30 a meal, uh, Sixteen of that money was going to the union labor that was preparing the meal. Right. So fourteen dollars in food. It can't, yeah. It can't. And I asked, and I asked that same nutritionist at SC what the numbers were, and it was forty-eight dollars per meal, and they were forty dollars worth of food. So when there one team's go. eating forty dollars per meal of food, and one team's eating sixteen dollars per meal of food, no, amen. Or fourteen dollars per meal of food, you're going to get bigger. And you're going to develop in a much uh, more expedient fashion. And truthfully, as much as you talk about players and, and how much more talent, I still think there was plenty of talent uh, at a lot of the positions, but we just didn't develop and become as big no. as some of the teams that you needed to beat if you were well, going to get to the to play for the big prizes. You're preaching to the choir here. You know, we're in the NEC, and we're just, we just have limited resources from food to – um, to everything, and then we compete. Right. Like we open up at Seton Hall, Big East, then we travel to Penn State, and it's apples and oranges. But you would think in Los Angeles, uh, you know, and I know UCLA is a state school, is it not? Yes, it is. UC, so there's part of the UC system, yeah. And USC is a private school, so they probably have. But at the end of the day, man, if you want to win the Rose Bowl, you got to spend. You got to spend the loot, don't you? Well. There's no question, and it, yeah. it's you know it's, it comes down to not only expectations, right, but it has to do with financing your expectations. No, amen, and, amen. And and too often we have a bunch of people in the Power Five now right. that are getting these exorbitant numbers from television contracts, sure. and yet probably only you know thirty percent of them are really investing them back into the programs to give them a legitimate chance. The others are just pocketing this money, yep. and it's just cheaper for them to keep recycling coaches. No, exactly. And, and, and changing coaching staffs rather than really trying to put the infrastructure in place that's going to give you a chance to compete with the big boys for those champions. This guy, Clay Helton, to me, I know the clock is, clock is ticking, but Clay Helton just looks like a good coach. I mean, I know Mora is a, good, a great coach, NFL, well, he, and, but he, he looks a like a kid. football coach. He's a coach's kid. You know, Kim Helton is his dad. Kim sure. was the head coach at uh, the University of Houston. Yes. Uh, that's where Clay grew up. Kim coached for the Redskins. So he's been around all levels of football. Uh, as a matter of fact, he was coaching at Memphis. Your buddy uh, who just came back will be interested. Clay was coaching at Memphis when uh, SC and Texas played for the national championship in 2005. Yes. Then he got brought in by Lane Kiffin and stayed with Sarkeesian, and now he finds himself as the head coach 
I've had a chance to meet Clay. He's a great guy, great young coach. There's no question that they're, uh, they've got a chance to do special things because SC believes that football is really important and spends like they believe that. Amen. Rick, before we let you go, the top, give me your top four at the end of the day. I know Alabama is the easy one. Give me your four final, the final four, which I wish college football would get to. Forget about the BCS playoffs. I want four teams that come to two teams and go to one team. But if, if you had a final four and a crystal ball in the perfect setting, give me your four uh, final football choices for this 2017. Well, the good news is now we're in year four of the college football playoff, and we do. We followed you guys' model. We have our final four. Oh, we do? Okay. Uh, true, true. Uh, yeah. I'm going to tell you me. that uh, right now, after the thir- you know the quarter poll here, the quarter of the season gone, <laughs> I think Clemson's the best team oh, in the country. Tough uh, deep. Yeah. Kelly Bryant, you know, t- taking over for Deshaun Watson, which was the big concern. Right. He's passed every test. I mean, he's been phenomenal in particular on the road at Louisville. So I've got them as the number one team right there, 1A, 1B. You can throw them up and, and is Alabama. And so yep. we might be in for a third straight Clemson-Alabama national championship game. Wow. After that-, that, there's a bunch of teams trying to get into those third and fourth. But I'm going to give you two teams that not are, are not yeah, quite as sexy, want. but I still think have great chances based on what I've seen thus far. Yep. I'm going to take Oklahoma State out of the uh, – out of the Big 12, Mason Rudolph oh, is cool. a phenomenal quarterback. And, Greg, they have receivers and then some more receivers. Yes. They have five guys that have all caught touchdown passes. They've got this last week against Pitt, had four guys go over 100 yards. You can't, you can't double somebody. You're going to give somebody else up. And Rudolph's good enough uh, to take advantage. So I'm on Oklahoma State. Last and one, and then we got to go. We're flying. Wisconsin – out of the Big Ten oh, is the good, best team. I know call. there are a lot of Penn State fans who will argue with me, oh, but good. at the yeah. end of the day, I like Wisconsin's defense, and Alex Hornerbrook is getting better every week as the quarterback. Rick, you're the best. A guy that writes a song for me comes on my show and gives just the, the knowledge you gave us. That's 26 minutes. Uh, I can't thank you enough. We're taking you out with the beach. I know you're a Wisconsin guy, but we're taking you out with the Beach Boys. We're gonna play. I'm sorry. You get you get you get back to the dance so I can write another song. I'm gonna get to the dance and we're gonna get on the course, my man, and we're gonna play. All right, my friend. I look forward to it. Rick, you're the best. Thank you so much. See you, Greg. You got it, buddy. And we'll be back with more after this. Hey, this is Rick Neuheisel, and you're listening to The Greg Horrenda Show on WFDU, your place to play big time. And the